1999 The Podcast is a production of the Cage Club Podcast Network. For more podcasts on movies, comics, and all things pop culture, head to cageclub.me. To contact us with questions, comments, or just to say hi, send us an email at 1999cageclub.me. You can find me on Twitter at ProbablyRealJB and Joey at SoulPot. And you can follow the show on Twitter at 1999thepodcast. To support the show, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. The show is written, produced, and edited by us. Welcome to a special round one roundup edition of 1999 The Podcast. I am John Brooks. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. How are you, Joey? I am good. We completed round one, lap one, not lap one. That's the too fast, too forever thing that I, I do not let Brian use on High School Slumber Party, even though he still uses it. Are we calling it round one? Are we calling it uh, segment one, season one? Phase one. I don't know. I feel like they're Ooh, rounds. Episode one. That's not episode. Episode, episode is a different thing. No. Yeah. I, was trying to, I was trying to do the Star Wars thing, but episode is a very different connotation in an ongoing serialized project such as this. Mm-hmm. No, rounds, I think, makes sense. Okay. It's nine. Nine is like a round, it's like a round of golf, sure. right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And we're informally calling this second round that we're about to start next week the back nine, right? So so we finished our first round. Our first round included the following movies. The Matrix, Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace, The Blair Witch Project, Eyes Wide Shut, The Sixth Sense, American Beauty, Fight Club, Boys Don't Cry, and Magnolia. Of those, mm -hmm. what's your favorite? The Matrix, I think. So I was saying to you, I wonder if future rounds, making sure I use the right term here, are going to be better or worse overall um, than the first one. Because I think that the first move, the first season really establishes to people like why this podcast exists, because there are enormous movies that people love. But then I'm looking at the second list of movies for round two, and I'm just like, oh, these might be even better. So it is, it's just wild. I think The Matrix is my favorite movie, but with that said, there's a lot of movies in here that I'd be like, on a, on a given day, I'm like, oh no, that might be my favorite. And also I will say that in round two, there was a movie we will cover later this season, round, lap, whatever, that might be my favorite movie overall. Like, I, I don't know, mm. I, I don't know. So uh, it, it's a it's a good year to do a podcast about, is what I'm trying to say. But what about you? <laughs> what is your favorite of this season? Is it The Matrix? Mine's Magnolia still. Um, so we're very close. We're both M both MA category. Oh, the uh, one that you were lying I'll, about on uh, saying that we love without reservations, making me look the fool on Twitter. Yeah, I meant without reservations, like in context of all the other movies that we've. Oh, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's fair. Right. Um, but that's too long uh, for a tweet. So I understand what you're doing. Right. Yeah. Um, no, I, I still, after all this time and after all these rewatches, I still just think it's just such a wonderful movie and always makes me feel a certain way. And, and I always kind of see a little bit new in it every time that I watch it. Sure. And also it has the just sort of like messiness and ambition and like combination of both optimism, but also like pessimism that I think was really, uh, characterize what that year what that year was all about but like the matrix does too and um again that's a movie that every time i watch it i i i kind of like it um a little bit more 
as well. What, were, there, were there any movies that we did in the first round that you were kind of glad to revisit and um, or that maybe you saw something different that you weren't expecting? Ooh, that's a good question. Hmm. I feel like for a lot of these, like it was either my first watch or, well, okay. So I'm glad I, we, in, in a way, I'm glad we rewatched American Beauty so I could firmly say, oh yeah, you don't need to watch that. Um, I'm glad that I finally saw Boys Don't Cry so I could be like, oh yeah, you don't have to watch that. I, I liked having the job of the pod guys on, um, shout out to Caitlin who couldn't be here because it's a movie that is obviously sort of divisive and has had this resurgence among like real fans since it came out. But like, I had never really had an actual conversation about really any star Wars movie to that extent. <laughs> and so to hear them on that, I think was really good. But like for the, for the most part, like I already knew what I thought about the matrix. I've done podcasts about the matrix and eyes wide shut and Magnolia and like fight club and six Sense. I knew what they were, but I would say that, you know, and, and Blair, which also the same thing, but like, the, the ones that kind of like the least that I have like ranked lowest on my list, I'm glad that those are the ones that I'm sort of glad, most glad that we talked about be, for different reasons, either because they're bad or because uh, I found sort of some newfound like respect or admiration for them in a way. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Because like yeah. everybody knows I love The Matrix. Like anybody who was listening to Keanu Club knows that we basically did Keanu Club for that movie, right? Like because Mike and I both mm -hmm. love that movie. So it's like, yeah, okay, like the movie rules. Like what are we going to talk about here? Like I love talking to Chris <laughs> about it, but just like, yeah, movie's great. Okay. But like the bad movies, it's like, yeah, okay. Or like the problematic or the troubling movies or whatever. Like those are kind of more interesting. That's what makes the, that's what gets the podcast juices flowing. Yeah, it was fun to talk about The Matrix first because, again, it's sort of like what else is there to say at right. this point? And um, it's fun just to sort of have that conversation and be sort of nostalgic about it and everything else. Is there one that is there one that you're glad that you either we had like a different conversation you were thinking that uh, that we either had a different conversation than the one you were expecting to have or that opened your eyes in a new way or just, you know, you hadn't seen in a while and like you saw something new in it? Well, it's ironic that you said it opened my eyes in a new way because the one that sticks out to me is Eyes Wide Shut. Oh. Um, yeah, I, I, I really feel that like Lila Shapiro pushed me in a very different sort of direction of how I feel about that movie. Like I'm a, I'm a lot less um, like her love of the movie and her sort of feeling that it's kind of like a comfort movie to her made me see it in a very different sort of a way and uh and, and made it i don't know it's a kind of a a bigger and more sort of multifaceted movie than i than i think i'd thought about it before like i've always thought it was a brilliant movie and i you know from the time that i first time that i watched it um but it was cool to see it through someone else's perspective um especially someone who like genuinely loves that movie and has and spent has very, hundreds like, of hours watching it yeah and it's a very like real personal yeah. relationship to it um yeah that was cool i because i i really was not necessarily looking forward to revisiting it um as much as i like talking about it i don't necessarily love uh love watching it but i, I think she provided a kind of a new way of um of thinking about it that i wasn't necessarily expecting i will so. say as a sort of follow-up to that the caliber of our guests was always on average higher than the caliber of the movies because like i would say 100 <laughs> of the guests delightful not 100 of the movies delightful right so yeah absolutely um always fun to talk to people um even when the movie is bad and i like it's it's also i think like 
good to not necessarily have people on who just love the movies. Um, right. It's 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 been fun to have people who just like know the movies. I mean, it's also as fun when someone loves it, but um, when someone just like understands it, it's it's even more it's even more interesting. So um, yeah, uh, guests have been great. Guests will continue to be great um, as we as we go forward until we run out of people that we know and or want to talk to us. And then we're going to have to go to just some random people we meet off the street and um, shove a microphone in their face and ask them about, I don't know, Big Daddy or something like that. Is Big Daddy 1999? Yeah. Oh, boy. Um. So a couple of things about the movies that we've we've covered so far. Um, of the ten highest grossing movies of '99, we've only covered four. Uh, so so there's still a lot of real high profile movies on the table. And even if you expand that down to the twenty highest grossing movies, we have only covered five. So there's a lot still uh, very high profile that we. Are going to get to. I want to talk a little bit about what our guests had to say about their favorite movies of that year. Ooh, this is even this movies, is news to me. This is exciting uh, because of those movies, we've only covered a couple of them so far. So in order, um, and a couple of times we had people who had a couple of movies they wanted to shout out. So I put those on the list as well. Uh, but the movies that were mentioned as some of the favorites of '99 are Election, Deep Blue Sea. Being John Malkovich, Drop Dead Gorgeous, Eyes Wide Shut, The Virgin Suicides, Cruel Intentions, Ravenous, Magnolia, and then with two votes for each of the following four, The Matrix, The Mummy, The Talented Mr. Ripley, and 10 Things I Hate About You, uh, all of them had two votes from our from our guests it is wild even in spite of you just saying that you know we didn't cover this that the other thing whatever like almost none of those movies are ones that we've talked about nope yep like uh, and we're gonna <laughs> we, yeah we will but it, again it just shows the the insane depth of you know the death chart of 1999 the film year because like if people are like hey i like these movies enough to come on a podcast and talk about them but my yeah. favorite movie is one that you're not even gonna cover in the first nine it's like what is going on here <laughs> one of the votes for 10 things by the way was uh caitlin and bush who who um did not was not able to make it for our our phantom menace episode but th that's the movie that she uh responded when they talked about it on return to the pot um so so she counts as a guest uh and gets a vote there but yeah two for each of those so the mummy two ripley two 10 things two and the matrix two and you're right i think this list um, maybe slightly less so, but if you go, if you if you think about the nine movies that we covered already, and just imagine those nine movies coming out any year, and if those were the nine most significant movies of any year, you're still already talking about like one of the most ridiculous years in movie history. Yeah, and we have um, barely even begun to scratch the surface. I mean, there are things that are so high profile um, and have such a lasting legacy that, again, um, we're going to get to a couple of them in the next round, but but we really, we got a long way to go. Um, I mean, Any Given Sunday came out this year, so. Uh... I kind of love that movie. I've only seen it <laughs> once and it was like 15 years ago, but I, that's one like weirdly I'm excited to watch again. 
Yeah, I'm I'm interested to watch that one again as well. I don't know if it's good, but like it's I feel like there is the sports movie thing. Like there are so many that are just kind of like, mm-hmm. you know what it is. And this is Pacino is doing a different kind of thing in there than most other, you know, so I'm I'm looking forward to that one. Um, OK, so let's talk about the the winners of round one. I have uh, nominated three um, ideas and or people. Uh, as as the as the as the winners of the first round, uh, the first nominee is M Night Shyamalan, who had a great year. Uh, Struck while the iron was hot was uh, released a wide release, huge mainstream hit horror film. Sure, uh, nominated for Academy Awards, one of the highest grossing movies of the year kind of came out of nowhere and then also went on to write another one of the highest grossing movies of that year. Uh, the 11th highest grossing movie of that year was Stuart Little um, and went also on to see a bunch of sort of copycat style um, horror movies, sort of gothic horror movies in his wake. Um, so he's nominee number one. Nominee number two is Tom Cruise Mm -hmm. for obvious reasons. Uh, The two major movies that he did, we already included in the first round. And the third winner is Toxic Masculinity. Oh, which is the which is the co-star of a number of movies we've already talked about and shall rise again uh, in 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 future episodes, although not in the mummy where all masculinity is very wholesome and non-toxic but of those three what do you think is the most important thread in the first round? well i feel like the toxic masculinity as a nominee is kind of like the alien versus predator whoever wins we lose um so i don't know i mean that's definitely like the one of the more prevailing themes that we had for sure I again, I'm I'm showing my bias here, but I don't know how we don't go with Tom Cruise. I mean, I did the whole Cruise Club podcast, but he to have two roles that are as dynamic and different as they are in two of the biggest movies of the year and two that we've covered. Like it's just that it's crazy to me, given again how few movies, generally speaking, he has done in his career and like how many good movies he has done for this to be maybe his best year in a career filled with amazing movies. It's like, it's, it's wild, man. So this is definitely like a a biased pick here, but I I do kind of have to give it to Tom Cruise. Do you agree or do you go somewhere else? I, I, I kind of agree. I mean, I, my instinct is to sort of like rationally to agree, but I think what's wild to me is that when I think back on, on, on the films of that year, like, Tom Cruise is like the 40th thing that I think about, right? Like, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so wild. But again, you have these two incredible performances in these two cornerstone movies of that year. Um, And like in also in neither case, was he really the selling point? People went to go see both of those movies because of the director, which I also think is really wild because that's something that you didn't used to see a ton of or at least certainly like not so much in the 80s right where like cool directors started really being a thing again in like the mid 90s especially with tarantino 
but a lot of the film bros were like Kubrick and then like Paul Thomas Anderson became like the other cool guy director right because right, like and, it was like the the rise of the auteur filmmaker if we want to get real yeah. snobby about it, it was like the 70s right with like with Spielberg right. and George Lucas and you know Coppola and never all those guys and then yeah it, the 80s were kind of like the kind of more crass commercial whatever and then the 90s did kind of, I think you're right, like I think Tarantino, just sort of the rise of indie cinema in general, like indie labels made it interesting for people to be like, oh, I'm seeing this movie for a director again, which I'm sure happened in the 80s too, but not in a way that it happened, you know, in the 90s and then carries on all the way through to today. Yeah. And again, like that's that's what that's what the marketing is, right? Like the marketing for the both those movies were Eyes Wide Shut is Stanley Kubrick's final film. Uh, Magnolia is Paul Thomas Anderson's next film, right? Um, and like that's the draw. Like that was the star mm-hmm. power. Were 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 those two names? Tom Cruise was sort of like incidental to both of those things. But I think what's kind of interesting about Tom Cruise in this sort of vein is that he's been around. I mean, we talked about this um, in, in the Magnolia episode. He hadn't done a ton of movies at this point, and he really hasn't done a ton of movies when you think about how long he's been around, right. as you pointed out. But he has been there for a number of kind of um, paradigm shifts, right, within within film. And I think the two movies that he is in and the, and the, the roles that he has and what that represents to his career is actually a really good kind of shorthand for what this year represented and what was happening at sort of the turn of the millennium turn of the century uh, in film in general. So um, that these are two of his greatest performances and two of his greatest films, Um, even though like he is kind of a backbencher in both of them um, is, is, is kind of wild, but like, yeah, it does make sense. And I think he is, he is, he is, he is kind of the winner here and also by letting him win it also gives a uh, sort of a backseat win to toxic masculinity because he's pretty toxic in both movies more so in one than the other but you know he's not a good dude in either yeah and i don't know we'll have this conversation later on i think at some point but we're gonna see more of it as we go on um in in some different sorts of ways i mean maybe not quite in the explicit sort of plot narrative sense that we see it in things like American Beauty and Fight Club and Eyes Wide Shut and Boys Don't Cry. But there's at least I'm looking at the list now for season two round two and there's at least one uh, the fourth one on the list that definitely uh, would apply to that. There's a couple and again there's also like the mummy where it's like wholesome masculinity but yeah It seems that like that was one of the um, if you want to look at themes of like what was being explored and what was being criticized and what there was a lot of anxiety about at the turn of the the century. That's certainly one of them. And again, like I I referenced when we talked about Fight Club, I referenced the um, the the Woodstock 99 documentary and like how that was partly driven by toxic masculinity and like what a what it's kind of turning point or like sort of shocking moment that was. Um, So yeah, I don't know if that's like the winner, but certainly if you want to like look at a thing that unites a lot of these movies, um, 
That's one of those things. I think it's also something that was probably discussed in that year, but I think it's also one of the themes that has definitely risen to prominence and focus in 2022 as we're doing this, right? Like it's something that people are now more aware of than maybe they were in 1999. It ebbs and flows, right? Sure. Because again, like 99 was also the year The Sopranos started, if you want to talk about toxic masculinity. Sure. Um, and then, you know, like we, uh, Amanda talked about American History X and like th- there was a bunch of stuff sort of within the turn of turn of the millennium, turn of the century um, uh, years, like just pre and post 9-11 that this is being explored. Um, and you're right. Like, I think there tends to be like a 20 year swing and we come back to it. I think in the age of, um, of, of, of MAGA and like alt-right uh, mm-hmm. movements, you know, yeah, it is, it is becoming a topic that we are starting to see more movies about and more um, television shows about uh, once again. Um, again, a lot of it is because we are in a very similar sort of, I don't know, existential anxiety state that we were in in 99 sure so um uh, was there anything you were specifically you were thinking of as a as an example of that that like echoes some of the stuff that we that we talked about no i just think that like we are you know i think the whole me too thing rose like brought put at the forefront of people's minds um that uh, there are bigger, there are systemic problems that we need to address. And I feel like there's a lot of media now that have come out in the last couple of years, you know, movies, TV shows, whatever, that sort of examine that in a way that has always been at the forefront of things, but wasn't always like the focus or like a phrase that people knew or like a lens that people would consistently and regularly view things through. Yeah. I think, I think gender and the interplay and power is just you know something that has always been around Shakespeare, whatever, but is definitely one of the more forefront like things that people look at with a critical eye today. I, I think. Yeah, um, and also I think one of the differences that we're seeing now that was more stark to me when we watched these movies again is like a lot of those conversations or a lot of that that media is is focusing that's talking about toxic masculinity now is like less focused on the male part of it like when i think about you know like a movie like bombshell or something like that right um or we're seeing that explored where we're not centering the male characters uh in that exploration like as one of the differences between then and now um they're Again, not they're not like, being portrayed as the hero, right? Like it's not like, oh, look at this yeah, cool or even like guy. The, or even like the anti-hero, right? Yeah. Like in the case of like Fight Club or the Sopranos, right? Like, yeah, they're the central characters and the quote unquote heroes, but like not presented as like you should also want to be this person. Uh, but then also now shifting away from like, well, what about the women? <laughs> like we should make them characters right. too. Uh and 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 centralize those stories. But um, yeah, it does really seem to be an interesting, um, uh, an interesting bridge between like the topics that are being covered here or the themes that are being explored here. And, um, some of the ones that are starting to come back to the surface today. Um, the other two nominees I was going to put on this list are, uh, lighting and editing <laughs> as the winners. That's probably true of just most good movies, right? Like, yeah, but there's, there's a certain kind of like. I don't know. There's a certain kind of frenetic quality that we see in like the Matrix and Fight Club um, 
and even in like boys don't cry and and magnolia and like these jump cuts and you know there's just sort of like very fast-paced action movie style editing in things that aren't always necessarily i mean the matrix is an action movie, yeah but like Fight yeah. Club's not necessarily action boys don't cry definitely isn't an action movie yeah and magnolia isn't an action movie but has like a lot of action movie style um editing and like pacing to it which i i think is again like a reflection of some of the kind of anxiety that was uh that was permeating um around that time so and of course you know when you think about the sixth sense that's a movie where editing is absolutely crucial because mm-hmm. you have to you have to uh, buy buy the magic trick. You have to convince people that no, he was definitely talking to her in that room before we entered there. Yeah, and I think also like this was a time when editing equipment was making that a lot easier. Sure. And of course, now when we look at the way that like most stuff's done digitally, and you can just you know you don't need to literally splice film together, um, we start to see some of the effects of technology sort of pushing more of that more of that aesthetic into some of the stuff that we see today but well of the in the next round we will be dealing with four of the movies that are on the list of those that were favored by our guests and two of the remaining on the top 10 grossing films of the year to give you a sense of what i'm talking about the top 10 movies of that year were The Phantom Menace, The Sixth Sense, Toy Story 2, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, The Matrix, Tarzan, Big Daddy, The Mummy, The Runaway Bride, and The Blair Witch Project. Oh boy. Yep. Man, that's a mess. But next week, we'll be talking about something that is not at all on that list, that is way, 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 way deep down in the top grossing movies of that year, but is still all the same. One of the most popular movies of 1999, and it will be the first of round Let me count the ways that I like this movie. Oh, good clue. Thanks uh, in the meantime to Brian Raffery, Chris Cluey, Brian Silliman, Matt Romano, Chelsea Weber-Smith, Lila Shapiro, Stephanie Gagnon, Islin and Tobin Addington, Amanda Moore, Logan Ashley Keisner, and Tyler Huckabee for being our guests in round one. And we will see you all next week. Look out for frogs. 